What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of the iTest Takes podcast. This is going to be episode 21. Uh, on this podcast, I'm going to be talking about a little bit of uh, head coaching news as well as a little bit of news regarding uh, the Super Bowl this upcoming weekend. And then I'm going to jump right into the biggest storyline of, I guess, technically the weekend, this past weekend, and this week leading up to the Super Bowl, which is uh, the trade between the Rams and the Detroit Lions. So I'll jump right into that after I get through a little bit of other news in the league. Um, the first thing I want to start off with is, is uh, something that kind of caught some some news during the weekend. Uh, caught tw- NFL Twitter by storm, which was the introductory press conference of the Eagles' new head coach, Nick Sirianni. Where you know a lot of people are saying it was a complete disaster. Uh, they made you know the Eagles made themselves look stupid by making this hire because of this one incident here, where Nick Sirianni just looked really really nervous and uh, he kind of stumbled over his words a little bit in his press conference. And so people are really bagging on the Eagles and on the new Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni for this whole ordeal. There was a clip on Twitter that absolutely blew up. Uh, the guy had actually put the little the little snippet of when he was really seemed super nervous and, and stumbling over his words a little bit uh, was a guy that I actually really really like as a, a media guy and uh, Adam Lefko and I was actually pretty disappointed in the in the fact that he like made this a highlight and I don't know if he meant or intended for it to go absolutely viral like it did. Um, but he worded it as he just put the clip up there and said, "You've got to be kidding me." Because uh, he is an Eagles fan as well, and you know I, I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans watched that clip and watched and and listened to the full you know press conference of him speaking uh, for the first time as the head coach of the Eagles and thought to themselves maybe the same thing like you got to be kidding me this guy we we hired him instead of you know maybe trying to get somebody else that's a little bit more uh, just seasoned more of a vet. Uh, maybe even take the guy that was in-house and do Staley instead of this guy. But I just thought it was a little, you know, distasteful uh, from him, and I was pretty disappointed in him as a huge fan of his that he would go to that length and and, and kind of make fun of the guy, even though, you know, he's a young guy at 39 years old. He's getting this opportunity to be, become a head coach, and he was just very nervous. And, I mean, it happens, so I – I don't think, in my opinion, it was that big of a deal. Of course, everybody is going to make a big deal of it because this is like the first time we've really got to see him uh, and, and talking about the team and talking about what he wants to do with the team as that new head coach. Um, but I, I'd rather see you know what he puts on that field. I think the biggest thing for Nick Sirianni and the biggest test he's going to face is literally going to be game one next year, whoever the Eagles play in week one. And it, it's the biggest thing that's going to kind of, you know, be the barometer for how he's going to be as a head coach is going to be that first series, honestly. So I think all of this beforehand, honestly, is just a bunch of baloney anyways. Like, we, I guess people in media, obviously, like sports radio has to talk about something, so they're going to grab whatever they can at this point, even though, you know, this is the week of the Super Bowl. Uh, this is just something interesting they can can talk about on radio and stuff like that. Um, but the biggest thing for Nick Sirianni is to come out and just make that offense uh, and just the team in general look different than it did this year or this past year. 
And that's the biggest thing he can do for the team and for the media to shut up about him and just put all that, you know, nervousness and, and, and crazy press conference, you know, shenanigans that people want to bring up and just lay it all to rest, just perform week one, whoever we play. Um, that's pretty much all I got to say about the Nick Sirianni thing. I don't think it's a big deal. I just think people are making a big deal of it because they have nothing else to talk about at this point. Um, and I really actually just felt bad for the guy. Um, but let's just move on to the next bit of news here. Uh, I said I was going to you know, mention this whenever it happened. The Texans did finally hire a head coach. Uh, it's been a little while since the last time I report, recorded a podcast, which was early last week. Um, they hired David Culley. Um, he was actually the Baltimore Ravens passing game coordinator this past year. Uh, very interesting hire. Uh, he's, I think, 65 years old. Um, so he's not, you know, some young up-and-comer necessarily. Uh, he's been in the league a, a very long time um, in different roles, obviously different teams and stuff like that. Um, but I just the, the most interesting thing here is just the fact that they, they took a passing game coordinator and made him a head coach. And that just screams desperation like there was no other person that was willing to take this job on considering the Deshaun Watson factor and how he definitely does not want to be in Houston any longer he's made it very clear at this point um and just also just the fact that and I I'm not trying to take shots at the guy maybe he's going to be a great head coach we'll see just kind of like the Nick Sirianni thing we don't know until you know the bullets start flying in the regular season next year uh but this guy did have one of the worst, if not like the worst passing game in all of football this past year. That was like the downfall of the Baltimore Ravens as a team was their passing game just wasn't as creative as it should have been. It wasn't as, it just didn't open anything up for Lamar Jackson. Uh, And obviously the run game for the, for the Baltimore Ravens is what's, you know, so, you know, expansive and so creative uh, but the passing game is what really held them back, and he's part of the reason why they were not so great, which is crazy to think that that guy is going to end up being the head coach of the Houston Texans at this point. So it's a really odd situation. Um, we'll see how it happens or see what happens in the in the future here, but it's, I mean, it is what it is. I don't really have anything else on it. I don't know a whole lot about the guy. Uh, not a lot of people did before, you know, this head coaching hiring. So we'll see how it goes. And then the last part of news we have coming into this week literally happened today. Um, it looks like two Kansas City Chiefs players have been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, only so far, I, I don't know if there's more details at this point, but You know, before recording this, it looks like just for close contact, uh, not because they actually tested positive for COVID-19. So hopefully, you know, I think the the span for close contact is like five days. So hopefully by then, by Sunday at least, they will be cleared uh, for the game. But the two players is Daniel Kilgore, who is a backup center for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, uh, who is kind of like a reserve guy as well. Uh, I mean, he used to be a lot more involved in the actual like aspect of the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I feel like in the past few weeks, and I could be wrong here, I didn't really look up the, the snap counts and what he has been, you know, how much he, he's been involved in the offense in the last few weeks, 
but from just the eye test, uh, he's I don't I think he's losing out snaps to Byron Pringle at this point. Um, but both of them I feel like have the same kind of similar skill set, at where like they're not like super super fast, they're not like the best route runners in the world, but they're like very serviceable and they both have pretty good hands. That's one thing I think both of them do have. Uh, and so DeMarcus Robinson, more of a reserve guy, obviously starters, Tyreek Hill, uh, Miko Hardman, Sammy Watkins. I don't, I would assume he's going to try to play in the Super Bowl. Um, so maybe you'll see a little bit more Byron Pringle if, uh, DeMarcus Robinson cannot go. Uh, but I don't know if this is going to affect anything, even if both of these guys are completely out for the game. Uh, anything super impactful at the very least, but I will say maybe the depth of that, Offensive line is becoming a bigger deal than it than it should have been. Uh, obviously, Kansas City's having a little bit of trouble trouble on that offensive line, keeping people healthy right now, uh, and they were just not playing as the greatest unit in football at this point. Uh, they obviously last week they lose Eric Fisher, their left tackle, to a torn Achilles, which is really unfortunate. He was obviously having a good season. Um, but as a unit, the Kansas City Chiefs O-line has not been playing great, and that's why you see so many you know, sprint outs, play action, getting Mahomes out of the pocket, uh, changing his launch point, and stuff of that nature just to, to keep him on the move so he has some time to throw the ball. Um, Andy Reid really knows that he doesn't have you know, the luxury of, of letting Mahomes drop back there and, and you know, get blocking for five seconds or more anymore, so... That's going to be a big thing in this game is, you know, Tampa Bay, their front four is obviously very good, and they have athletic linebackers who can blitz. They have athletic safeties who can blitz. Uh, so that O-line being more banged up and just not being a great unit for pretty much the entirety of the season is going to be one of the big key factors in this football game uh, coming up on Sunday. Super excited for that once again. Uh, pretty much already said everything on the last pod about that and, you know, the prediction. I think Kansas City's going to win, stuff of that nature. But uh, the more, you know, that Kansas City's O-line gets unhealthy and then maybe with this whole Daniel Kilgore thing, the, the depth is getting affected a little bit. Uh, it's definitely swaying more back in Tampa Bay's favor at this very second. Um, I still think Kansas City has, you know, the actual firepower to do it still, so... That's where I'm at with that. Now, let's jump right into this. Look, over the, the past week, the last weekend, we saw some things trending uh, on the internet, on Twitter, on Robinhood, on E-Trade, on the stock market in general. We have GameStop stock going through the roof. We got AMC stock going through the roof. We have Nokia stock. All these crazy, you know, like almost like dead brands coming back to life just for this common cause that's ironically like a, a thing that Robin Hood would do, you know, kind of take from the rich, give to the poor type thing. But ironically, you know, in this era, everything is almost backwards. So, of course, anyways, that's not the point. All of that stuff happening, but the one thing that actually took some stock up after this as well was Blockbuster. And I'm not talking about the actual talk. I'm talking about Blockbuster trades. We're back in the NFL this week with the trade of the Rams and the Lions. The Rams trade for Matt Stafford. That's the biggest piece here that's moving, obviously. Jared Goff is going to Detroit along with 
the Rams two first-round picks in the next couple years and a third-round pick of this upcoming draft. Uh, humongous trade. Very rarely see the QB for QB trade in the NFL, uh, especially with a lot of comp- compensation backed up you know, behind it as well with the two first and then a third as well. Uh, basically, the only reason you saw that much compensation, I, and in my opinion, is the fact that you know Jared Goff is. I mean, he had, his contract was humongous, and they they needed Detroit needed compensation for basically taking on that much money, uh, along with a, a lesser of a quarterback. Um, so obviously, they get the two first and a third, and of course, Jared Goff and, and the Lions. Uh, but the biggest thing here for me is I'm just really happy for Matthew Stafford. Uh, the guy has been unfortunately kind of trapped in Detroit. I would have loved to see you know him in Detroit kind of bringing that team all the way up and, and taking them to the pinnacle uh, because the D- Detroit fan base really deserves you know some winning seasons, some playoffs, just anything really. Uh, but it's very unfortunate they could not get it done with Matthew Stafford there. They made some poor decisions, I believe, and you know, coaching staffs with the whole Patricia hire and stuff like that. They fired Jim Caldwell, who was doing a pretty good job there, and then went to Matt Patricia, who just absolutely sunk the whole team. So, basically, the Detroit Lions killed Matthew Stafford's full-blown prime and it's really unfortunate because, in my opinion, he is a top five talent in all of football. Um, I don't know if, if I were to like actually sit down and like list everything, he'd be like right around. He's probably top five, fringe top five talent. When I'm talking about, I'm talking about he's pretty athletic. Um, he's got an unbelievable arm, definitely like a top three arm, probably in football, at least top five arm. Uh, I mean, and he can do all the Mahomes throws really like, I mean, Mahomes has a better arm than me. He can probably throw it further and hard or whatever, but Matthew Stafford can throw, you know, the sidearm stuff. He can do the no looks. He did it all this season. He was showing off this season, maybe for, you know, an opportunity like this where he, he went at the end of the season was like, look, I'm like, I had fun, you know, I wanted it to work here in Detroit, but he's like, I'm out of here guys. Like I can't do this anymore. So just get me out of here. And he basically more or less chose the L.A. Rams. It's going to be warm in L.A., which I guess he's probably going to appreciate considering he's playing in Detroit, even though it's in a dome. But uh, it's a lot of those, you know, NFC North teams. It's not very fun to go play there because of the cold. Uh, but I'm just excited for him because he's going to a team that is ready right this second. And I think with this addition, Matthew Stafford on the L.A. Rams, it makes them immediate Super Bowl contenders. I'm not saying they're favorites, but they are right there in the in the mix of things, uh, especially in the NFC right now, where I don't think I see a, a huge juggernaut in the NFC at this point. I mean, the Green Bay Packers always look good uh, because they have Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be a given. They have Devontae Adams. They have a pretty good defense, even though they did let go of uh, Mike Pettin because of probably a lot of the dumb decisions he made in that NFC championship game. Um, but so they'll look to get somebody new there. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay is, is still good. And obviously they are good because they're in the Super Bowl this year. I assume they're probably not going to go anywhere next year, especially if Tom Brady continues to play the way he has been playing. Um, I mean, who else? I mean, the saints are probably going to be losing drew Brees. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, they have some, some soul searching to do this off season with the firing of Brian Schottenheimer. 
uh, where they kind of butted heads philosophically there because of the whole fact that I think Pete Carroll really wants to run the ball and Schottenheimer wanted to kind of let Russ cook. And I that the fact that that marriage is pretty much over, I don't know how much faith I'm going to have in the Seahawks offense going forward with how much they're probably going to end up wanting to run the ball. And I just think that is the exact opposite thing they need to be doing, obviously. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm probably missing another team right now that's kind of in that NFC contention, you know, Super Bowl contention, you know, era. But I just, if you were to ask me right this second, I think the Rams are probably the favorite in the NFC West. Um, now, let me preface this with a little bit of if Deshaun Watson happens to go to the 49ers by any chance, Nick's everything I just said because the 49ers are winning that division and they are probably the favorite in the NFC West just because I think that's just how good Deshaun Watson is. Um, because if you ask me, if you're if you're going head-to-head 49ers versus you know the LA Rams, I'm taking Kyle Shanahan over McVay. Uh, it's by a, a decently small margin, but it's, it's a margin. Um, I'm taking the LA Rams defense right this second over the 49ers defense. Uh, because they're, I mean, they're obviously the best unit in all of football this past year. Uh, you don't know how much, you know, Robert Sala leaving is going to affect that defense in San Francisco. Um, I would probably give the advantage to the offensive weapons. Well, I think they're probably even. I would probably get make them, if anybody, it's, it's the Rams offense is slightly, just slightly better than the San Francisco offensive weapons right now. Uh, on San Fran, you got Debo Samuels, you got uh, Brandon Ayuk, you have Raheem Mostert, uh, Tevin Coleman, George Kittle. Uh, that's a big deal. He's coming back healthy next year. Uh, and then for LA, you got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Higby's pretty good. Uh, Cam Akers is up and coming, obviously. So they got weapons on both sides, but I think that's probably pretty even. And then I think the thing for me that would put you know the 49ers over top if they were to get Deshaun Watson is the fact they have Deshaun Watson. He's just better right this second than Matthew Stafford is. Uh, Deshaun Watson's probably a top three QB in all of football. Um, and I just think if that were to happen, obviously 49ers would have the edge. But right this second, as we stand, NFC West is the Rams to lose, in my opinion, at this second. Because they didn't really have to give up many of the other pieces around. They, their players are in their prime right now. They're ready to go. That Super Bowl window isn't going to last long, and the Rams are trying to take advantage of it with the trade for Matthew Stafford. So they got you know Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, uh, those receivers that I just named. Uh, you know Cam Akers coming along, and you know that three-headed monster they kind of have there with uh, Henderson and uh, Brown. So that trade was humongous for the LA Rams and I'm excited to see that team. I don't know what it is. I almost like am more excited to watch LA Rams football this season than I have in the past because I just have never been a Jared Goff fan. Uh, I just don't think he's very good. And that's going to take me into my next point here is, you know, Jared Goff on the Detroit Lions. How is that going to fare? How is Jared Goff going to fare without being in a Sean McVay system? Uh, we've seen it for one singular year without Sean McVay. It was with Jeff Fisher. I don't know how much stock you can put in that, considering Jeff Fisher's not the greatest head coach in the world. Um, his offenses or whatever have never been that great. Um, so we've seen it one time. It was very ugly. 
Then from then on, it was Sean McVay, and Jerry Goff has won plenty of games with Sean McVay as the head coach. He's won plenty of games in the postseason. Uh, he's beat good opponents like Russell Wilson this past you know postseason in the playoffs. So I just, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to go well. Uh, so Detroit's going to be paying a lot of money for a guy that is not very good. And I think if he's not in a very good offensive system, it's not going to be good. I can be proven wrong very easily if he comes out and plays well this season with Detroit, considering they don't have all that much talent. Um, But we'll see. I mean, obviously Detroit's kind of in more of a rebuild mode right now. Dan Campbell coming in uh, as the head coach, Anthony Lynn, the OC. Um, We'll see how that offense operates but it should be a little bit more similar to what we did see with Jared Goff in LA because in LA they ran the ball a whole lot and then did a lot of play action off of that and that's you know Jared Goff's strength right now is just to you know easy reads uh Sean McVay put a lot of these receptions and throws on a silver platter for Jared Goff in the past uh, however many years and it's it's been easy for Jared Goff so far. We'll see if it continues to be easy in the offense in Detroit, and I just have very little faith that that's going to be the case. Um, now, that's pretty much all I got on that blockbuster trade. Once again, Matthew Stafford, huge deal. Um, and I think here's another little point, actually. I, I don't want to forget this because this is something that I saw somewhere where somebody was mentioning John Walford in this whole mix, and I think it was a huge thing that because – you see all the pros of Matthew Stafford, great arm talent, athletic. Um, I mean, just he's just a good player. Like if, if anybody tells you Matthew Stafford sucks at football, stop listening to them and don't talk to them about football. Uh, but the, the, the cons of the Matthew Stafford trade for L.A. would be the fact that obviously his age, he is up there in age. I think he's 33 or 34 at this point. Um, and then obviously the injury factor. He has been kind of injured quite often in his career. And so for me, when I heard, you know, somebody mix in some opinions about John Walford and stuff like that and how people were saying, like, I think, you know, we should have seen the writing on the wall of Jared Goff when Sean McVay was pretty much saying, hey, man, you should probably, like, just sit this one out and let John Walford, you know, play instead. But, like, Jared Goff, even, even though Jared Goff wanted to play, so we, we probably should have seen this type of thing t- coming, but you just don't see this happen that often in the NFL. Um, but what I'm trying to get to here, this is super long-winded for no reason, is the fact that I think John Walford and how high the L.A. Rams and Sean McVay were on him really helped them to make this trade and have the confidence to make this trade because they, they think you know if, if Stafford does get hurt or happens to get hurt, um, they have a guy that can come in and run the offense anyways. Um, and if they thought, you know, Jared Goff and, and John Walford were kind of on the same, you know, talent level, then what's the point? And, and John Walford's even more athletic and can run and get out of, you know, some bad situations than in that offense. So I think that was, you know, part of, a, of the reasons why they were able to pull this trigger and uh, get the job done. Um, but, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have on that. Other than I will say I do have some fantasy implications for this for next season. Uh, you would have to think for fantasy football purposes, this the stock goes way up on Matthew Stafford himself as a quarterback in fantasy. The stock goes way up on, on Robert Woods, on Cooper Cup, on Tyler Higbee, 
even on Cam Akers, even though, I mean, he, he does catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield, but it's just the fact that I think the L.A. Rams are going to be a better team, so they're going to have, you know, more sustained drives and, and more opportunities to score the ball, which is going to put Cam Akers on the goal line more. So his stock is going to be up. That whole, basically the whole L.A. Rams offense stock up for fantasy purposes next year. Um, so if anybody, you know, People could be sleeping. People might not, you know, take that into account when they're when they're starting to draft next, you know, season. So just keep that in mind if you're a fantasy player. Uh, and then also, even though I don't think Jared Goff is great, as I've kind of alluded to here in the past few minutes, I do think because of the fact that their their quarterback is less talented than they had last year with Matthew Stafford. Um, the additions on the head coaching staff or the coaching staff in general, Dan Campbell, um, Anthony Lynn loves to run the ball. He's the offensive coordinator now. Uh, Deuce Staley is the new running running back coach for the Detroit Lions coming from Philadelphia. There's a lot of running back, former running back energy in that, you know, head coaching, in that coaching tree, that whole thing, which I think is, you know, alluding to, you know, a stock up for another guy in that team, which is DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift's stock is way up this year uh, with, you know, the fact that I think they're going to want to run the ball, especially Jerry Goff being the quarterback, and that's pretty much how he operates is just being able to come off of play action and things of that nature. So DeAndre Swift, big stock up for me in this in this up, upcoming season. So that's pretty much all I have. Um, this is, uh, you know, just pretty much a bunch of noise before the Super Bowl. You know, I'm glad something did happen this weekend uh, that kind of gave me some juice. This is like right up my alley, just like giving perspectives on both sides of the fence with, with trades and stuff like that. That's why I love free agency and the draft and stuff like that. So we'll get into all of that after, you know, the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll get into some draft talk, obviously some, obviously some free agency, where people can go, stuff like that. Um, but this has pretty much been it for uh, episode 21 of the I Test Takes podcast. We appreciate you listening uh, once again. And just follow us on all the social media platforms at I Test Takes on Twitter, on TikTok. And, man, we appreciate it. Uh, once again, just shout out my producer, Weston, once again. And we will talk to you guys next week. See ya.